and welcome to another episode of the Sports Council Podcast. I am your host, Matt, and I'm here along with Dylan, G, and Vivek for this episode of the show. The Celtics and Heat went the distance with a Game 7 for the ages. We give our takes on the game and how the Celtics were finally able to claim the Eastern Conference crown. We'll also discuss the result of the Western Conference Finals and preview the NBA Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. Today is May 30th, 2022, and this is the 63rd episode of the show. And a happy Memorial Day to everyone. But guys, let's get started on the first game that took place yesterday. It was a game seven between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. It was one for the ages. It ended, I guess, I think in a four-point Celtics victory. So it was pretty close at the end there. And there's a lot to talk about, first of all. But let's get this started right away. What did you guys think of the Jimmy Butler shot for three to take the lead for the first time for the Miami Heat to possibly win the series? I don't, the Eastern I don't hate Conference? the shot. You know, obviously he's the guy who has to be the one to take the shot. I just, you know, I would like to see him take a two in that situation. I know it's just really hindsight discussion. But in the sense of, you know, Jimmy Butler is not a notoriously well three-point shooter. And just to 17 seconds left on the shot clock or in the game clock, and you just, you know, pull up a three when you don't have to. I think he has Al Horford on him at that time. You slow it down a little bit. You take Al Horford one-on-one off the dribble, try to get the mid-range, or you try to take him to the rack at an one or get a foul call or something, you know. And I feel like that's much, much safer. It worst comes to worst 10 seconds, you know. You cut in, you try to kick it off to someone else, you know, you have more opportunity there. I think you just come up to court and pull the three. It's a very, like, uh, not a wise thing to do. Coming from Jimmy Butler, you know, Mr. Buckets, who was playing insane the whole series, but even most of the series, that he, the games that he went off, he wasn't, you know, best shooter in the game or something. He did it from the free throw line and from the mid range and from finishing, which I, you know, I would rather see him go for. I mean, do you think that it was a matter of him being tired? Because I think he played the entire game. He did play the so, entire game. <laughs> yeah, so it could be a matter of, like, do you think that he was just trying to win the game then? Set, like, he doesn't want to play overtime at that point. I think so, yeah. because, I mean, it's like what G said. He played, uh, Eric, or Coach Eric Spolstrup played him for all 48 minutes, and I think if the game went into overtime, like, Jimmy Butler would be really gassed out and also the fact that um the rest of his supporting cast didn't really show up when they needed to they needed to kind of i would see why he kind of take taking that three-point shot just to get kind of hopefully get the game over with but as she said I, I agree but like i feel like if you gotta take the three you don't want to take it to over yeah 100 understand but you gotta at least wait for your team to get up up on offense so they can get a rebound uh, and shit you know see i think you should that's what i wanted to say and talk about okay oh, go oh, on, i was go gonna go say on. i that's i kind of want to say that too um like you want to make i think what they could have done was set their offense a little bit better have some time to set their offense yeah they had enough time to do that like to yeah run they a have... play to run a set for him to do something like if you want we want to take a three jimmy Butler, go for it but you know give it to lowry or something let him someone set you in the screen or something i don't know it's just not the wisest decision I think that Jimmy Butler is that dude, but he's not that dude in the sense that he's the one who's going to shoot the game. Like, he's not a three-point shooter. We all know this. Like, usually when you see the line on Jimmy Butler, it's usually like 
is he going to hit one three-point shot per game? Like, they don't really expect him to shoot that. And he usually doesn't. And when he does, it's not always, you know, automatic, especially with him on tired legs, right? So I am okay with the shot because he was wide open. Momentum was on their side. Maybe he's hot still. And he was the best Heat player on that team, you know, far and away, even especially in that game, right? So if you anyone I want the ball in the hands of, it's Jimmy Butler. But what I was a little bit concerned about was, you know, it's not the best shot for him percentage-wise, but also the fact that, yeah, get some guys to come down the field, like court a little bit more, maybe give you a chance at an offensive rebound. I know you can't think that way when you're pulling up for a shot, right? You're thinking you need to make it. But at the same time, yeah, you know. Be smart with what you take. You're supposed to be the guy. You got to make, you know, the smartest decisions for the team. Obviously, exactly. you're held to different standards, but, you know, that's what comes with it. Yeah, and let's not forget also, and I just learned about this, Back in 2019, Game 7, Sixers versus the Raptors, Jimmy Butler actually went coast-to-coast for the layup to tie the game against the Toronto Raptors, and then we all know what happened next, basically. Kawhi Leonard hits that shot, that impossible shot, and wins the game for them. No OT needed. So maybe that was going through his mind as well. Maybe this time he was like, I'm going to go for the kill, right? And he's been waiting a couple years for this moment, and this time it just didn't work out the other way, so I wonder what was going through his mind when it uh, when it happened. But I think it was just you know he didn't want OT, <laughs> which is understandable. But guys, eventually, like we can't just blame Jimmy Butler for all of this, right? I, I think I, like you got taken into account for injuries, right? Yeah, but it's not just the injuries; it's just a matter of like the Heat were not good. You they were not so? good as a team, like. I'm not degrading them like as a whole, but their performance in that game, I think it was only like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo had like, yeah. I don't know, like 60 points, I want to say. They had most of the points. Um, I just feel like, you know, it's a different series if you're talking healthy. I know both teams can say that, but, you know, where Tatum and Brown were healthy all series, their main two primary scorers, their second primary score in the Heat wasn't available in Tyler Hero for the last couple of games. And then you have Jimmy Butler fighting injury, you have Kyle Lowry fighting through injury. You know, I know the Celtics have Robert Williams and Marcus Smart, and obviously those guys are just as important for their teams. But, you know, I think it's just a different series if you're talking about everybody healthy. So I just feel like, you know, Tyler not being there was a big – I guess he was, but he just couldn't, you know, be out there at the same level that you expect him and need him to be at. So it just – I think having the, the right pieces, but just not the good timing, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that for all, like, as big of a team and as many contributors as the Heat have, it almost felt like, you know, they just had to go back to, you know, Jimmy Butler has to carry us, Bam Adebayo had to carry us, and just all those role players didn't show up in the end. I know some of them were injured, obviously. Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, um, you know, but P.J. Tucker, man, he had nothing. He got nothing going on. Yeah, hey, I remind people <laughs> that P.J. Tucker was also part of that a godly sent uh Houston Rockets team from what three years ago, four years oh, ago. 27. Yeah, over twenty seven. Over twenty seven. Over twenty seven. PJ Tucker I remember was out there that. prime of nine or some shit, just bricking corner three after corner three. He brought so, some of it with him. <laughs> no, I knew I knew I was thinking about that while he was missing bricks in these games. I was like, Oh man. Probably getting PTSD. Back. <laughs> yeah. I no, I was happy about that, man. 
perfectly happy with no it. he was getting the ptsd he was shooting him and just like <laughs> he's in the balls in midair he just started imagining it's houston again and yeah the, the <laughs> celtics again. jerseys are turning into warriors jerseys man he even still got the red and white still going on yeah that was tough man i think it was a it was a hard fought hard hard fought you know game but the heat he have something going and i think that they're just a piece away so I think they'll mm-hmm. be back next year. Boston, this is their year. They've had a great, crazy run, if you really think about it. But yeah, I mean, let's go back to that Heat point. Like, how much more can the Heat do? Because they added Kyle Lowry, they added PJ Tucker. So what is their goal next? Because it felt like you know, number one seed in the East. They were pretty dominant for most of the season. They had a great defense. Jimmy Butler is obviously the star of the team. So what can they do to improve more? Because I think that at a certain point, if you're going to add another star, which is probably the solution, you're going to have to get rid of some crazy depth, right? I mean, you only ran eight people this this year. So I think I, I would I would look for what I can get for Hero. Uh, I just, mm. my personal, if I was a Heat, that's what I would do. You look at Hero, you see what you got going there. He's a very valuable, just peak right now, last year, or this current year, where he had six man of the year. He's, you know, had some good playoff games, never really strung a few together, you know, but he had a couple good games. So I would try to go see maybe, you know, if Donovan Mitchell's available. Obviously, it's not going to be for one for one trade. I think, like, you have Duncan Robinson, who, you know, they don't find him as a useful asset, but. Dude, the one that can shoot like that will be on an NBA team for sure for a while. So you have two valuable pieces. You know, they always have picks and stuff and some depth that they can get rid of and maybe go get Donovan Mitchell or like a Zach Levine, someone that else that can shoot threes and, you know, stretch the court while having the ball in their hands. You know, the Kyle Lowry is not a shooter. Jimmy's really not a shooter. Depot is, you know, not really a reliable it's just not a. I don't think they have another bucket on the team. Yeah, I think that that's what they were lacking at the end. Like, their half court offense is literally nothing without Tyler Hero or Jimmy Butler. Like, they couldn't get like they can't create shots. That's what it is. And then, it was basically like it's either Jimmy Butler or it's going to be Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson running around, mm-hmm. just like you know Clay and Steph, and they're trying to get off threes, right? But. Their defensive liabilities, they targeted Tyler Hero on defense. Duncan Robinson couldn't even play because they were just going to target him. So the only issue is that they both, like, Duncan Robinson's got a ridiculous contract. They just, they kind of hamstring themselves. That's why you got to package Hero with them. Like, if you take Hero, then you got to get Duncan. The white boys stay together, you know? Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, I mean, Tyler Hero's got value. Duncan Robinson's obviously the shooter. He's he got still value. has value. He's going to have a lot of value, in my opinion. I think Duncan Robinson, other than the contract, like, it's just hideous. A team that's, like, you know, got a couple of rookies or something and just needs a guy to come in there and shoot, like, he can really do just fill that role and, uh, you know, be a useful piece. But I don't know. Just Miami's not going to – I don't think they got any role use for him to see offseason. Hmm. So you think Donovan Mitchell is going to be the guy? I think that, that has to be the guy, target? right? Like, who else is there? I mean, Zach Levine's I mean, going to be getting it back. And I don't know if Miami can just trade him. They could try for Bradley Beal. I think, isn't he trying to get the Supermax from Washington? 
He's gonna, gonna get the tank super max help though from the wizard. Wizards tank even more with that bag. <laughs> the wizards gonna be Let's go. super dumb for that, but I mean, yeah, hey, get the bag, yeah. man. Two hundred fifty-six mil, bro. Take it. Plays suck for two years. Request a trade. Isn't that like the biggest contract in NBA history? If that were to be offered. Yeah, I think so. I think probably it, until the next that's one. That's crazy, man. Yeah. I mean, I think the the most major thing that Bradley Beal's done is get All NBA third team. I think. Yeah, he's at that. I think that all you need to get is either like a. All NBA or something, and then you qualify for the Supermax, so. Let's go. I don't hate the Wizards at all. I just want to see Bradley Beal get that bag, even though it's unfortunate. If he's happy to stay there, you know, and it's good for Washington. They can just, you know, be a Washington legend and collect. Not win a ring at all. Yeah, Not win a ring. Just do nothing. They, they remember, no playoffs. Don't forget they were the best team in the NBA for the first month. Oh, my God. I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm choosing to forget that. <laughs> I'd rather not think about that, yeah. I mean, Phoenix was the best team throughout the whole regular season. Yeah. That got them, right? <laughs> hey, man. You got a lot to say, bro. But just a Warrior fan, bro. I can't can't say nothing to you guys. I mean, yeah, 6-8, and eight, not bad, right? Can't yeah. can't say anything. That's what it is. Dude, that's great. Must be nice. <laughs> it is. It is very Feels nice. Feels great. Two-year drought. We're back. Yeah. The hard, the hardest bro. Exactly. Yeah, I got nothing against the Warriors, so I'm not gonna sit here and just fucking talk shit. Just talk shit. I got nothing to say. I mean, you guys are a good team. Probably gonna whoop on the Boston fraudulent Celtics, but it's good. So oh, okay. I don't think. I'm... I mean, I don't think it's gonna be quite close. I think you know. My, I think Miami being injured, and then obviously Milwaukee missing Middleton looks like it's kind of sort of a cupcake, but. You know. Okay. Okay. Should we, so should we put an asterisk on Boston's advance? No, but I mean they made it to the finals. Mm-hmm. They're not going to win a ring, so it's like, what are you going to put an asterisk on? Like, there's nothing to like really put it on. Like, I just feel like if you don't win anything, it's like your finals run was an asterisk. Like, you can have it, but you weren't going to have it if everybody was healthy. Are you saying that just like it's a bubble run, like a Miami yeah, thing? Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a good story. It's good for them, but they're not doing <laughs> shit against the Warriors, bro. Realistically okay, we'll, speaking. Get, we'll get to that. We'll see. Do you think Phoenix last year, when they got to the finals, do you think that was a bubble run or like a miracle run with the AD being out and LeBron being like injured? And Kawhi. Kawhi was also out. Oh, yeah, and Kawhi, that too. That's yeah, right. I'll take it. Take what you can <laughs> oh get. Oh, my gosh. I bet you Toronto doesn't complain about their ring, so I... They don't complain about their ring. No one, Except no they're, one about their they're ring. pretty angry every time we bring up KD's injury. Exactly. Yeah, Toronto fans like, we'll never know when people are like, oh yeah, when the, when the dubs have KD and Clay all at full health, they win that chip, right? Yes. But a Toronto fan will typically be like, well, we don't know that for sure. And I mean, that that's true. Like, we can't just like hypothetically say like with 100% certainty that like, you know, the Raptors will lose if... Warriors are at full strength in that 2019 series. But no, like, I'll say it. You know, I'm a Warriors fan. We're in a simulation. <laughs> uh, like, if you run that simulation in like a vacuum or something, I'd say that the Warriors win that. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying but the Warriors you don't get a that. ring for that shit, so you'll get your one for this year, but they got what they got. You don't, but you can put an asterisk. Asterisk doesn't mean anything. What does that do? Like, there's no such thing as an asterisk. Like, you can, like, you know, try to say that the team is, like, has an asterisk, but, like, they still have their ring. It's still always going to be in the NBA history as a, a championship, you know? So I just feel like this this asterisk thing only... I don't think it really applies. People are going to believe what they want to believe. It's going to be exactly. in the history book. 
like I know, you know, our first championship, people said it was an easy road. People put an asterisk on yeah. that, and I mean, so, with the you know, Kevin Love and Kyrie mm-hmm. out, like there is some credibility to that. You're just gonna, I mean, you can put an asterisk on literally every championship. So that's what I'm saying. You just gotta yeah, believe what you gotta believe. Funny thing to do, yeah. Man. You just gotta believe exactly. what you gotta believe. So, if you enjoy your championship, it doesn't matter what everyone else says. So, just take it. I know Milwaukee enjoyed it. I know like Toronto enjoyed it. Yep. Making it to getting the Little Brian Trophy is a big deal, man. I hope the Suns. I hope Christopher is able to get one. Hey, that makes two of us. The only one that doesn't count is the Lakers, though. That's the only one. I think we can all agree on yep. that. Yep. Mickey. Yep. The Mickey and yep. A Disney. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've covered the heat let's talk about the western conference finals between the warriors and the mavericks warriors dispatched this one pretty easily after the mavericks won in seven the warriors went up 3-0 and then they won in five against dallas so you know i think that what i saw from most of the series was other than the fact that you know the warriors system stays winning is that they really just tired luca out they were just you know running and gunning the entire time Dallas plays at one of the slowest paces in the league. Warriors play at one of the fastest. And it really had an effect on like their role players because they did not shoot well for, like I want to say, four out of five of the games in the series. And I think that's because of tired legs, honestly. And Luka, like, I felt like he was kind of slowing down. Like it's He was still dominant. He was still scoring at will, honestly, if he wanted it. But I think that you know his effort defensively wasn't as you know sharp probably because of all the fatigue probably because he had to play a seven game series and then he had to play like a six game series the series before and he was injured a little bit before that right so i think it speaks a little bit to you know the mavericks conditioning and i wonder what they're going to do about it next season so i just want to get your guys take on this like what do the mavericks need to do in order to get even further next season what does Luca need to do as well? Uh, Luca needs to be put on a diet in the preseason. <laughs> even Jason Kidd said, "I think even... Luca's fine." No, I think it's it's going to be like an advantage, bro. What else do you want to do? Make it forty? But I think if no, no but, but I, if if he yeah. if he was on a diet, I think he would pr- probably play even better. Like but he doesn't need to play better. His team needs to play. Think... His people around him need to be better. Like the people around him did. I mean, like. How much more can you expect from Brunson's and Dorian Finney-Smith's and G- Reggie Bullock's? Like, those are great players, and I'm not trying to say they're not, but I just think that, you know, what they did was great. And, you know, for their capabilities, they did everything they were asked for most of the time. In certain games, they did not shoot as well, but, you know, it happens. When you're just a role player, that's what you're supposed to do. They did their role, and, you know, you can't hit out. I just didn't, don't think there's enough talent around Luka to where – they can be a championship team like that is not on paper or any magical world the championship team so when you put the right pieces around him then you can say okay luca now you need to like put your fair end of the bargain up now he's already like doing way more than he needs to be i mean it wouldn't look like he needs to be on a diet if he didn't have to you know be the told the dallas lucas as my friends like to call it you know so i just think like you put some guys around him that can actually be reliable number twos and number threes, and then you got your role players. Then you can be like, okay, Luca, now it's time for you to take the next step and you know play more defense and look to you know be more fit and to play more minutes. You know all that type of stuff. I just feel like you can't ask more of him when the, the roster around him. You just, it's just like 
why would you drag along dead weight and get more worked out for that when you can just you know drop some of the dead weight and get some more useful weight i mean i think it's both you can ask for you know more talent and whatnot because i think that dallas probably does need more than just a bunch of three and D players around him, right? Yeah, they don't but got a guy that can shoot. The, or like shoot. Yeah, but at the same shot. time, like Luca, Luca's stamina needs to be, you know, addressed because he, I think he, he was just being targeted. He was being targeted by Phoenix in their series on defense, and then Golden State targeted him too. And it wasn't just a Luca's bad at defense. He's, I think, okay for the most part, but it's also a matter of you know. They targeted him on defense because he has to expend energy on defense then for it to, you know, work out. And now he's going to be more tired on offense. So, you know, I think that kind of compounds because he was, you know, he was scoring a lot, but he maybe wasn't scoring as efficiently as maybe he could have but doesn't that, I if think he if was on, like, fresher legs. I feel right? like if you want him to score more efficiently, he should be asked to do less and be more efficient. That's the problem right now. I feel like if you probably looked at his usage rate or any type of analytical stat that shows how much he's getting, you know, just worked out there, like I would, I think, you know, you look at his numbers with averaging almost 37 minutes with like 32 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists, and a steal and a half. Like, I feel like that's like a lot from one person already. So what's the next step? I think is like, you you know, he shot 45%. And I think that's what you're kind of talking about, Matt. Like he's not efficient. But that, I think, mm-hmm. if you put, like, you know, a Zach Levine or someone else, like, that can get their own shot and then Luka to take a rest on the court, you know, take a breather. There's no just plays where Luka can take a breather on this current team. That's kind of been my whole point is just you got to you gotta get a team around him that looks like they're and ready to win. You know, I don't think their team was that this year unless you guys put they differently. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they were going to – go to the finals or anything but i think that this was a pretty impressive run from the yeah. team that they had exactly yeah. for what they had this was amazing they did everything they could ask for they even upset phoenix they beat you know warriors in one game maybe they quit i uh, could have got two off the warriors would have been great but like the end of the day they got to the western conference finals and i think that's a lot from what anybody ever expected from them you know so I think that you know they'll be they'll be they're in a good they took a good step forward this year and now if they come back with the same roster then it's like you know it's a sign of concern to me. Yeah, and I think another thing that I noticed is that you know Kevon Looney he just destroyed them on the boards. Andrew Wiggins also pay that man continued to like kill it on the boards. Yeah, Hakivon Elijah Looney. <laughs> yeah, man, Looney looked like. Prime Shaq combined with Prime Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and just unstoppable. Kevon Abdul-Jabbar. But uh, either way, like, I think that, you know, Looney was great, obviously, but it also speaks to, you know, Dallas did not have a good enough big to challenge him, right? They had Powell, they had Kleba, who was probably their best big, but, like, even he wasn't enough. And he got into foul trouble a lot, I thought, in the series. So. Can't play defense. Yeah, you can't play yes. defense. Got to foul someone. Yeah. So, do you think that? I the... mean, yeah, isn't DeAndre Aiden that we're <laughs> facing? You know, like there's actually pretty competent bigs that the yeah. Warriors have that show up come playoff time. So Oof. it was a t- harder challenge. Yeah, they might get DeAndre Aiden. It makes no sense to me. It's just they're showing interest in him, and it just for me, it's like feels like that Russell Westbrook Lakers shit where like we played him in the bubble and they ex- completely exposed him, right? And then you come back and pick him up the next year. 
So you don't think DeAndre Ayton is a good fit for Dallas? I feel like uh, if you're going to sign him to be the number two, then no. If you're signing him and then uh, getting Levine in a sign-and-trade or something like that, then, yeah, you know, honestly, that's a, that's a great team. But if you're getting him to be the number two besides Luka, you're fucking high out of your mind. I think this is a really good offensive fit if you get Aiden because he can create his own offense. He's reliant on someone who creates, and Luca and CP3 are both creators. Or sorry, not CP3. What am I saying? Christopher. Christopher. They're both pretty good at creating for their bigs, and Aiden can create his own offense. So when it comes to Aiden with the Mavs, I could see that working purely off offensive schematics. But Aiden will not really solve our defensive problems. The common uh, cry from Mavs fans is to try to get someone like um, Rudy Gobert, which I think would actually work really well because offense won't necessarily be something that Gobert is called upon to do. Or even better, Miles Turner, someone who can both stretch the ball and has been among the lead leader in blocks throughout the past three or four seasons. I think the perfect perfect offseason for the Mavs would be to... Get Levine at whatever it takes. If it's a sign and trade or just a straight up signing, I think they get rid of Bertans. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if they if anybody wants Bertans. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I, I, this is, might be controversial. I don't know if it is. I wouldn't give Brunson the max or anything more than they offered him last year. I just think that you're setting yourself up with the bad contract there, and I would rather you know spend where well, you're spending twenty five to thirty for. Jalen Brunson, I'd rather spend 30 to 35 and get Zach Levine, you know? And then you get him. And then, like Viv said, I think a perfect, perfect fit would be Miles Turner. You throw that team out there, maybe keep Dorian Finney Smith, and, you know, you get Tim Hardaway back. You got a couple of depth pieces, some shooters, 3 and D guys. And you got Bertons off the bench. That's a roster that I think could win a championship and, and you know, compete with, like, actually compete with the Warriors. But, they come back. I think what more realistic is that they'll end up getting re-signing Brunson and then just getting either Aiton or Gobert. And I just don't think you know you're just not going to win with that type of core. Yeah, I don't think I'm down with uh, signing Brunson either. Honestly, like I like him. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's he's great. You get a yeah. bag from someone else, but if you want to win a championship, you can't be you can't be giving them that type of money. Yeah, I just don't think he's like you know, a second option. Like we saw like when in the Lucas minutes he needed like to be that guy. And he was kinda on and off, honestly. And Spencer Dinwiddie, honestly, like he came off the bench. He was also on and off, but like it's just not you can't have a max player be like that, right? Like obviously he can create his own shot and whatnot. And he can kinda command the offense when Lucas was out. But I just don't think I've seen enough where I could say, you know, I'm gonna max that guy, right? So, you're saying basically, like, probably Luca is going to be there and then they're going to sign. And no, I think that I'm a little bit more on the same line as, like, sign a Miles Turner, sign like Rudy Gobert, maybe get, like, a Zach Levine. I don't think, I feel like it's just not going to happen. I don't know. Because I don't really see Envision Dallas being able to get both stars to come at the same time. That's the thing. But yeah, that's why you get Miles Turner, so you don't have to get two stars. You could focus your assets on getting Zach Levine at whatever price slash trade, right? So you get that done, and then getting Zach, getting Miles Turner isn't like an impossible task. He's been available for like two or three years. He's, you know, like it's not like 
he's off an untradeable asset that the Pacers are dying over. They're looking for the right value for him, a team back. You go give them like a, you know, go give them whatever they're looking for, and you got a decent, decent team there. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Yeah, I just wonder what's going to be the case for the Mavericks next. They had a trouble I getting a second star with Dirk, so I don't know. See if it'd be interesting to see if they have the same struggles again, because you only have so many years before you had a bad Luca. Yeah. Oh man, that contract's going to be ridiculous. Insanity. I can already tell. Yeah. So. Oh, and also another thing, like I noticed that also the Mavericks they just didn't have. Like, they didn't have enough bench pieces at the end. Like, the Warriors were playing, like, 10 deep, honestly. Like, they, even with Otto Porter, Iggy, like, GP2, yeah. But you just need, I feel like you just need someone off the bench. And the Spencer Dinwiddie trade, I thought, was actually pretty good for them. Just because it gave them that extra scoring threat, that six-man off the bench. But then, other than that, you got, you know, you have Bertans, you have... I literally can't like think of like Maxi Kleber. I guess is technically a bench player, right? They should be coming off the bench if they're at a decent team. I yeah. think is what you're trying to say. They so they ju- they just need more. They just need more. It's a miracle. Like they kind of got this far, and I feel like it's a testament to Luca, honestly. Yeah, it's just, he's been doing a lot, bro. Do. I think it's easy to say to pick at the few holes he has, but he has he does almost every single thing for that team, and I don't think that can be undervalued. Yeah. But you just got to stay hungry because Western Conference Finals appearances don't come as easy as the Warriors. So you got to keep on getting better next year. You can't stay yeah, comfortable. I think it's time to move into the finals now for the big boy talk, right? All right, here we go. This is what we've been waiting for, especially the Warriors fans up in here. It is the NBA Finals. We have the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. The number one defense in Boston versus the number two defense in the Warriors. Um, Golden State actually, even though they're the third seed, holds home court advantage over Boston. And this is the first rematch for the Warriors and Celtics since uh, in the finals since 1964. So, you know, it's our revenge tour because the Celtics won. Will Chamberlain's return? Yeah. <laughs> Otto Porter's legacy is on the line Who's here. Who's Otto? I thought you guys had a Wilt. Ah. Uh, it's actually Wilt reincarnated. Wilt Chamberlain Jr. <laughs> I think a little bit more, but either way, um, the Celtics, you know, they don't have any finals games experiences on their roster. Very notably, um, Al Horford, he played in, I, I want to say a ridiculous, like, I want to say 100-something, 160-something playoff, like playoff games without any finals experience. And now he's finally made it to here, so it's very nice for him. But... We're going to have to crush them, unfortunately. It's what do you guys see? Open. Yeah, what do you guys see in this finals matchup? Uh, I'm going to see a lot of inexperience from the Celtics side. I feel like the Celtics are going to do some, some of that stuff that's similar to um uh to the Grizzly series when or what I mean by Grizzly uh, series, I mean the Grizzlies versus the Warriors. I remember one of those games when uh Jaron Jackson Jr. took that 3 when it was so unnecessary. Same thing with Dylan Brooks. So I kind of feel like that's where that um, Warriors championship experience is going to play into it. Uh, because Steph, Draymond, and Clay they've been to the finals for a total of six. T- now it's their sixth time, right? 
Yeah. Yep. It's their sixth time. So they know what needs to be done and they can help mentor the young core like Jordan Poole, Kaminga, uh, just anyone, any, basically the rest of the team. Like they, they're just telling like, hey, it's okay. If the, if the South is going to go a run, it's like, we'll be okay. We'll make our run eventually. So I think that's where um, Warriors have that edge over the Celtics. Yeah, and I think that it's like, I think that that finals inexperience will play a little bit of a factor, but also, you know, I don't think that this Boston team is as inexperienced as Memphis because I think they just didn't, straight up, they didn't have any playoff experience in general, right? It was like Steven Adams and um, Kyle Anderson, I want to say, are the only ones on the Grizzlies who had playoff experience in general. Like, Ja didn't, Ja had like one series yeah. right, against the Jazz last year. So, yeah, I mean, I think that the Celtics, they have been tested, though. Like, these series, they've just came out of two seven-game series, and they know how to win an elimination game. They know how to win when they've lost. They haven't lost the back-to-back playoff games this entire series. So they I do think that they have some experience, especially, you know, when it's going down, right? There's only a couple minutes left in the game. We saw that they were able to hold on versus Miami and whatnot. They closed it really bad, though. That's true. Like, they had a chance to move the lead up, like, several times. They were up by 15 in the first quarter at the end of the first, right? And then it kept going down. Like, it's going to happen, obviously. Like, you can't keep going up forever. But at the same time, they were taking a lot of, I guess, ill-advised shots. Yeah, I think, like, towards the last uh, Game 7 specifically, um, I think you you can't let... um, who is it? Marcus Smart take the last four shots in that one minute time span in the fourth quarter as a self because like I remember like they're staying on like 98 on 98 points for like a, like a whole minute while uh, the heat were like coming back. So you can't you can't do that when you're playing against the Warriors. You need to like you got to give the ball to Jason or Jason Tatum or Jalen. I just feel like they're just so inconsistent this playoffs. They've one game they'll look like they should be NBA current NBA champs, and the next game they look like they shouldn't even be in the round they're in. So it just doesn't make sense to me how on and off they are. And a team like the Warriors didn't really have like an off night, and they in their off nights they can still find a way to win, which is you know obviously why they're one and five, and the Celtics one and seven. So I just feel like, you know, this this series is not going to be the best for Boston because they're also been inconsistent winning home games. They've been good on the road, but you know you're not going to Golden State and winning. It's just that simple. I just don't think they're going to go to Golden State and win one of the first two. So then you go back to Boston. I think they'll split one of the two there. So you're down three one going back to Golden State game five. So good luck with that. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I personally fear Boston because when I was looking at the Miami Heat, the Boston Celtics, like, I wanted the Heat to win. I wanted the Heat to win Game 7 because we, I felt like we matched up so much better against the Heat than the Celtics because what scares me about the Celtics, other than the fact that they're the number one defense in the NBA, is that they are so, they're big but they also can use that size. Like they aren't like, it reminded me a little bit of the OKC team back in 2016 where they were able to be big, but they were still able to match up against a small ball lineup 
so well. Like, I feel like they all are really good at switching and they're pretty good on the perimeter. So they're really going to make it hard on Steph and Clay and Draymond to be able to kind of work their offense because I feel like they are pretty comfortable with being able to kind of like the only thing that I think is going to be a detractor is the fatigue that Boston's been going through for the last like they've just went back to back seven game series and now they're going to have to chase around Steph and Clay for like you know a whole ass like 48 and Jordan Poole actually and Jordan Poole right so it's like that's I think that's one of the advantages that we have is you know the rest and the experience but Boston is pretty imposing I guess defensively and they're going to force a lot of turnovers I feel like they're going to be focused in the fact that like they're kind of lasered in and sometimes the Warriors can get a little lazy with their mentality with their focus right and then they drop a game right I feel like we we've seen that happen a couple times right so I think that's what worries me about Boston right and because we and the fact that they're not just one star oriented right we had to face Ja, we faced Jokic, we faced Luka, and they were all one-man shows. We faced Harden for years. We faced LeBron for um, a lot of finals, basically. When we play against a one-star team, we're pretty good with just, you know, go let the star do anything, but then don't let the role players get hot, right? And that's what we do. But if it's anyone else, like with the two-man team, right, like with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, it's a little bit trickier. So... It's harder, obviously, to face a more complete team. And I felt like with Miami, it was mostly just Jimmy Butler running the show. With Boston, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum can get hot at any given point, right? So I do think it's going to be a tougher matchup than maybe some predict. I honestly think it's going to six or seven. I I just can't see it, bro. I'm I'm going to ride the boat with the Warriors on this one, I think, four or five. Mm. I think for mm. my prediction, um, I'm going to say Warriors in six. Jeez. Yeah, I'm with Dylan here. I got the Warriors in six for all the reasons mentioned above. Specifically, Boston switching defense will pose some problems, and Tatum can be an effective offensive player to the point where um, if he isn't going through one of his patterns and off stretches, he can just single-handedly take over a game and drop like a 40 or 50 piece and just win the game single-handedly. I give a lot of credit to the Boston team that they've put together and especially their switching defense. It's the exact type of defense that is built to pose a lot of problems with the Warriors. They play a really good perimeter defense where they just close it on all the passing lanes and try to basically have your offense to start to beat you one-on-one. And on the Warriors side, I do think that they are more of the multifaceted team. They do have offensive firepower. It's not going to be just uh, an offense like with the Nets or with Milwaukee without Chris Middleton or with Jimmy Butler being the one-man show and being uh, putting up virtuous uh, performances. You know, this is a multifaceted team that has four legitimate offensive threats. You know, you got Clay, you got Steph, you got Wiggins, you got Poole, and you have... Auto Porter, and also you have Gary Payton um, being able to play some good key minutes on defense too. So I think just from a top-down perspective, looking at the whole team, the Warriors are just better equipped to go the distance. Yeah, I mean, 
what I think that the Warriors need to do, and obviously I'm rooting for them, of course, so I'm just going to tell them, like, they just need to get out in transition, score, you know, quickly, because once you get Boston's half-court defense set up, it's going to be so much harder for them. You got to take care of the ball. Don't be sloppy with your turnovers because they will exploit that to no end. And you got to rebound the ball because when you got bigs like Al Horford and Robert Williams and they're up against Kevon Looney and Andrew Wiggins, you know, you got to just be able to make sure you get those uh, because that's the only way to make the small ball lineups effective, right? And I'll throw in another key here. You know, it's the third quarter because we saw what Miami did in the third quarter against Boston. Sometimes you just need to basically go on a run and kind of just kind of just blow past the Celtics because what I saw basically from the Eastern Conference Finals is that the games where the Celtics won, they were just destroying Miami. They were just blowing them out to no end. But um except for game 7, of course. But that was almost a blowout in and of itself. What Miami did in the games that they did win was they went up ahead super early and then they just had to keep the lead basically. And that's why I never felt confident that Miami was going to win because even in the blowouts that they should have had, it was still a close game. You still felt like the game could have been, you know, Boston's at the end of the game. And so sometimes you just need to, you know, just go on a run, completely rally against them. And I think Boston, it's kind of the same thing. These two are so similar in how they win games. So I feel like it's almost the same thing for them and like how they lose games too, because Boston struggles with turnovers too. Sometimes they struggle with focus and, that being said, though, obviously I'm going to go with the Warriors in six. I just think that it's going to go a lot like the first Cleveland series where, you know, the Warriors are going to, they're probably going to split the first two games, I feel. And then maybe Boston takes a 2-1 lead by game three, but I think the Warriors are going to rally. And they're undefeated in home so far. And every series that Stephen Curry's ever had, he's had he won one road game so if you add that up we should have won in five but you i'm gonna say gonna that it's gonna be five, worries bro, in six I'm telling you, there's not a chance boston comes to golden state wins a game i don't know man i got a bad feeling about this celtics play feel like somehow play good on the road more than they're good on yeah. the road they're really good on the road and you under you underestimate an opponent that's how they get you i feel like the Warriors are just gonna drop one game because of you know like lack of focus right when we've done that like so many times we've already done that in the i feel like i think we've done that every series so far we've just dropped one game because we didn't keep our eye on the ball and we got a little too comfortable so hopefully that's not the case because this is a really good boston team i'm not gonna underestimate them they really could easily win these finals but i'm still gonna go with the warriors in six yeah do we all agree steph finals mvp and finally gets one. No, it's Kevon Looney. I wanted Kevon to win the um, Western Conference <laughs> Finals because I was like, this man did work. I don't even want Steph to win Finals MVP. I want Jordan Poole to win no, MVP. No. Finals MVP. Blasphemy. Me? Yeah, that cannot happen. Bro, after all the slander and all of the hate that he had to go that through. That was all just from Matt. Especially from a couple people that I'm talking to right now. If Jordan Poole wins man, the Finals MVP, it. I hope that he gets me to present it to him. I will absolutely present it to him. 
you know. Ah, uh, you're doing him a really big favor. Dude. No, I love yeah. Jordan Poole. Been a Poole fan since day one. <laughs> mm-hmm. You gotta jump in the pool if he wins MVP. <laughs> it's a pool party. Yeah, uh, I think I think me and Viv were very very much on the early side of the pool party. Yo, yeah, I saw the off season highlights before the season started, and I was like, holy cow, this guy is literally like doing magic tricks on the court. Like, there's no way he's not gonna be an MIP candidate, bro. He should have won, honestly. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Yeah, and then he. Man. After Ja won it, he destroyed his knee afterwards. That's shameful. It is what it is. You know, dirty players do dirty things. Exactly. He's very curious to know, Taylor Jenkins. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we got our finals predictions. Going to wrap it up here. It was great covering the NBA playoffs with you all. And we're going to obviously have a finals recap episode at the end of the finals. Hopefully it's a Warriors victory recap but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here either way be sure to like and subscribe we are on itunes spotify and amazon music and we are also on twitter you can follow us to stay up to date on the latest and greatest of our sports takes that's it kind of for this episode so anything else you guys want to say before we sign off no nah, man fuck the warriors fuck basketball can't wait till football starts man. <laughs> That really sent you into a darkness. Yeah, huh? Christopher. Uh, yeah. Honestly, Christopher really like, disappointed you. The last like the last like <laughs> four, the, the five six games after that, like they didn't even have the Suns in it. And I just couldn't even watch. Uh, were you booing during Game just, Seven? Did you boo during Game watch. Seven after just... I cried? You cried? Did you watch the entire Game Seven? Hell no, bro. What the hell? It's torture. Mm. Could be the last time. I think it will be the last time. I know you think so, Viv. No worries. We all know. You're a hater. Bro, I, I, I know so, man. How old is Christopher, man? He's going to have to pull a Gary Payton, like you were talking about in the last, in the last episode. Right at the bench. He'll get his ring, though. All right, man. Yeah. At, least, at least as long as you promise me that, bro. I, I'm you can join the Warriors. Say, you can come to Golden State, bro. We can all be happy. Yeah. We just don't want him to play. I want Christopher just don't play, to play though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we'll let you join the Warriors. If... Would he? Would you be okay as a Chris Paul fan if Chris won without even playing? Let's say, like, you did you see that Joe Johnson could technically get a ring because he played one week with the Celtics? I'm not saying on that oh, level, really? but oh my god! Or let's say like Udonis Haslam. Like, would you accept an Udonis Haslam ring? Yeah, might as well. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna say no to no ring. That's true. That's true. Udonis Haslam was in tears after game seven. <laughs> he couldn't sleep. Yeah. He couldn't sleep from Draymond's comments. <laughs> he really loved about the court, man. It was sad to see. Oh I mean, shoot, bro. I mean, Christopher's probably going to record some really fire State Farm commercials this offseason. He has some extra time. I hope, time I hope every stand. fucking commercial you get is State Farm commercial. <laughs> it's all in the court. It's all in the court. All right, that, guys. That's going to do it. Thank you. See you. Thank you. Later.